For the past three weeks, we have been journeying and doing a series on the kerygma. Now, the kerygma means proclamation, or anybody who is a proclaimer is a kerig or a herald. And we've been going through the four stages, and today we'll hit the fourth one. But I, I like to do a review before we go, because, go into this, because a lot of our students, they've had finals this past week, and they've been reviewing, and they also know how much helpful, how helpful it is when you get tested. So your test and my test is really going to be on this earth. What difference does Jesus make? And if we don't have like a convincing answer, well then don't expect people to really want to come here. We have to have something compelling driving us forward so that when you and I are called to proclaim or people ask you what is your why, you have something to tell them how you see the world. So the first Sunday we looked at creation. That's the first stage of the kerygma. We looked at a God who created billions and billions of galaxies, you know, trillions of stars, and he knows all of them by name. And this God who creates out of nothing did it effortlessly. And for all eternity, the one creature he desired to have a relationship with is you. Even knowing, even knowing he could have dwelt among the planets, the stars, which he does, and he knows them by name, but he also knows you by name. And he wants you to know the truth, that from the beginning he wanted relationship. He desired relationship. So that you and I can know that we can trust God, that we are good, that you are beautiful. And we ask that question, why is there something instead of nothing? which I really encourage a lot of us to look deeply at. Why is there something instead of nothing? And then we ask the question, well, if God's creation is so big and so beautiful, so grandiose, what the heck went wrong? Like, what screwed it all up? And we looked at the devil and hell and his plan to destroy your life, to enslave us. And we used the image of the devil as the human trafficker and we began last week looking at what it would be like to be trafficked, but also what Jesus came to do as warrior to set you free. So the first two stages is creation and then captured. And then we look at the rescue mission of Jesus, the Father sending his only son to save you and I individually, to unbind us from the principalities and powers, which are hell, death, sin, and Satan. Those are your enemies and my enemies. And Jesus, on his cross, conquered that. He conquered death to win you back. And he rose from the dead to save us. And that requires a response. And to respond is the fourth stage of the kerygma. So we have creation, we have captured, we have rescued, and then response. What I'd like us to do right now is just to pray and to ask for the Holy Spirit to be here so that you and I can actually do that. We can actually respond. Because this message is compelling, it's life-changing, and you and I need courage to do that. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I ask your Holy Spirit to fall upon me. 
so that I can have words to move hearts today, not to point to myself, but to point to what your son Jesus did for all of us. I ask your Holy Spirit, Father, to fall upon every single person here, to give us the grace of gratitude, to help us surrender, and to give us the courage we need to follow your Son more faithfully. Help us be more like Mary, to ask questions, not be afraid to be troubled, but to be patient and respond with selflessness, to know that the Holy Spirit will overshadow us, to remind us every single day what Jesus did for us on the cross. We make all these prayers in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to start with an image for you. And this one, for some of you, is not going to be very hard to imagine because you grew up with it. I want you to imagine growing up in a very, very dysfunctional family. Your father is an alcoholic, and your mother is extremely abusive. Their physical abuse, their psychological abuse, their emotional abuse is after you every single day. Arguments happen every night between you and your parents and your siblings. Plates, they fly, quite literally. And you hate it there. You do everything you can to not be there as much as possible. So, you get involved in sports. You get involved in extracurricular activities. You get to school as early as possible and you stay out as late as possible in order to avoid your family. And you have to tiptoe around your house because you don't want to wake up your mother or your father because you don't want to experience their wrath and their abuse. And one thing you hate also is the family that lives across the street. Often you look outside of your bedroom window And this one family really annoys you. And you hear them all the time outside of your bedroom making noises and you hear laughter. You hear joy. You hear people having fun. The father is always playing with his children. And every time you see the dad playing catch with his children, you put the blinds down. And all this happens while you live in this place of fear, of anger, and utter despair and hopelessness. And then one day, while you're the only person at your house, you hear the door knock. And you go downstairs, and you open the door. And it's the dad from across the street. And he says... Do you want to live with us forever? You don't even pack. This is what Jesus is inviting us to do, is to come to his family, to get out of that house under the dominion of the devil and to walk with us, to heal us, to redeem us, 
so that you and I can know that what happened at our baptism, that we were transferred under the dominion of the evil one, the power of darkness, into the power of light, so you may know that you are a child of the Father, so you can know that you can trust God, so that you can know that you are good, you are beautiful. And that death, that spirit of death that haunts a lot of us, is not meant to haunt us anymore. But notice how the dad, when he comes to the child in the house, he asks the question, do you want to live with us? And some of us have chosen, sometimes by no fault of our own, to live in that house of darkness, of despair, of abuse, under the dominion of the evil one. And that's also what happened at baptism. When you were transferred when you had the title of slave, ugly, stupid, and the Lord said, my child, of the kingdom, of a house of light. And to remove from that dysfunctional family into the family of God takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage. Because that means you and I have to change. And then that also means that you and I have to respond to that. And once we officially let Jesus, the warrior, unbind us from the lies of the evil one, that means you and I have to become agents of mercy, agents of healing, or I like to call it agents of sabotage. We've got to blow all the crap up in the world, quite literally, with the love of Jesus so people can know that they matter, that they're worth it. Because a lot of people do not believe that. And some of us are even sitting here in this church. And those are all lies. Some people believe there's no hope for them. They're never going to conquer this sin. And the thing is, the power of the gospel message, the power of what Jesus did on the cross, can actually allow you and I to change today. And I firmly believe that. And we have to make a conscious effort to respond with hope. But if you and I live in the light of the world, which is not very bright, we keep listening to the devil. And Jesus wants to save you from your worst nightmares. You don't have to raise your hands, but I want to ask you a question. How many people in this church fear death right now? Because a Christian is not supposed to fear death because Jesus Christ conquered it. I mean, like, like maybe like me, like, I kind of fear how, how I'll die, but not necessarily that I'm going to die. Because Jesus conquered it. He redeemed it. He crushed it. And it's, yes, it's going to be sad to lose loved ones. But if we believe what we believe, there is hope for everyone here because Jesus Christ died for all. And that means that if you and I walk in right relationship with Jesus, if we become missionaries of mercy or agents of sabotage for the kingdom of God, that means you and I are going to see each other again. Death does not have the last say. But the problem is, it seems that a lot of us do fear death. And we're not supposed to if we know the gospel message. 
And, we were, and because we live in that spirit of death, that spirit of fear, of hopelessness, it leads us to a lot of worship of strange things. When we don't, when we don't have Jesus as Lord, when we don't live in the victory, when we don't sacrifice everything. Just drive down Highway 41. How many billboards did you see of Aaron Rodgers? I often wonder if the Father is saying, where is my worship? Where is my glory? We have become fools by worshiping a football team in our state when souls are being lost hand over fist. And we have become worshipers of sports, of money, of power, of pleasure. And the Father wants you and I to glorify him. And we shudder so often that if I wore a hat that said Jesus is Lord or Mary is mother, we worry about what other people would think. Our world needs people to stand firmly in the victory of Jesus Christ and to stop playing games and stop worshiping teams like the Packers or the Brewers and the Bucks. And, by my, and mind you, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying sports are stupid and you can't watch them. But what I am saying, why in the world are we willing to lose our voices over shouting at a football game or at a TV? But when it comes to coming to church and speaking the truth, a lot of us are mute. Jesus in his cross wants to crush idols today. And it's going to cost you. And for some of us, it's going to hurt. And he needs you to have courage like the Blessed Virgin Mary when she sacrificed herself for the kingdom of God to bring us a Savior. And sometimes we wonder, well, why in the world would God love me? Why in the world would God want to set me free? In a certain sense, it's because love does strange things. Love seeks to will your good, and it has no mutual benefit. God doesn't need us. God is fully content in himself, yet he created so that you and I can be in love, in freedom. But the devil wants to keep whispering in your ear, you can't trust God. It's not worth it. You're never going to conquer that sin. So how do you and I respond to the gospel message if we want to walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing is we have to give Jesus Christ our worship. We have to put aside our idols and we have to say, I am willing to walk forward as a Catholic Christian, an intense lover of Jesus the rest of my life. And you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you're going to fall. And that's what the family is for, to pick you up, to encourage you. And it means we have to give God our time. That means before I play, if I play sports or before I take a test, I'm not afraid to make the sign of the cross and pray. If I'm out to eat in public, I'm not afraid to make the sign of the cross and pray. Because I know who I am, and I also know whose I am. The second thing would be praise and thanksgiving. If you and I look at the cross 
and we don't spend time thanking him and praising him for what he's done for us, we don't know the gospel message. The natural response to the gospel message being proclaimed is, holy crap, thank you. (laughs) For some of us, it's not moved us, and we become hard-hearted. And I encourage you to open your Bible and open your heart and let the truth speak to you. And the third response to the gospel message is absolute surrender. The whole mission of Jesus to rescue you is surrender. To entrust, to have more faith. And then we should start asking the question, what does God want from me? What can I do to never forget what he's done for me? So to surrender to Jesus is to have faith in him. You know, we hear in the Gospel, gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verse 8, it says, what, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find people totally surrendered to him, all in? But I think it's really important that you and I look at what faith is and what faith is not. A lot of people think that faith is contrary to reason. Really, really encourage you, if you know somebody or you struggle with that, Read the document by Pope John Paul II called Fides et Ratio, which means faith and reason. Because faith without reason is simply superstition. You know, if I pray before I play a sport or before I eat a meal, it's to thank him and praise him, to give him my worship, to give him my time. It's not superstition. But to simply acknowledge that, yeah, I think God is real, but have no faith behind it, that's not real faith. And that means that you and I have to pray for defense mechanisms against the tactics of the evil and tell us faith is illogical. Because first of all, if you know that faith is a gift, which it is, response again is thank you. And it compels us to respond all in. Romans 1.5 and 16.26 are quoted in the Catechism when it comes to what it means to give God everything, to have faith. And it says, By faith man, is, man completely submits his intellect and his will to God. With his whole being, man gives his assent to God the Revealer. Sacred Scripture calls this human response to God, the author of Revelation, the obedience of faith. So that means you and I are called to personally experience Jesus, encounter him, trust him for who he is and who he says he is, and to give him not just part of us, but all of us. To let him into those parts of your heart and my heart that you think you're hopeless or you're like, eh, no thank you. Those parts of your heart that I know that some of you are like, nope, door's locked. I actually fear you, fear you, God, but I fear the devil more. Maybe it's in your financial life. Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe it's what, in what you do when you close the door 
and don't pray to your father in secret, but you listen to the father of lies. And Jesus promised, my friends, he promised that sin and death and the human trafficker, the devil, would not have the last word. That is why the promise of the gospel and Mary was familiar, she was familiar with all the stories. And you and I use her as a model of discipleship. No one followed Jesus better than his mother. No one. And everything she did, she, it pointed to Jesus. And I think you and I need to ask Mary for the grace to, how do we give Jesus our hearts, our wills, our minds, our intellects, how do we do that? Notice how in our gospel reading today, she asked questions. She pondered in her heart. And the angel Gabriel said, do not be afraid. And she says, how can this be? How can this be? I would say because love does such things. Love desires to shed light in your darkness. Love desires to come and unbind you so that you can be free and then go help others become free themselves. So that your response is that we rescue, so we are rescued so as to rescue others. And I can only say that Mary's help, she's not God, but her help is powerful. So when she said to the angel Gabriel and heard the words that nothing, are, nothing is impossible with God, she said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Which means she surrendered her whole life. She wrote a blank check and she was all in. And it changed the world forever. And if you do the same, you too will change the world forever. There's words that say the same thing. Give me faith. I surrender. Here's my heart. So what we're going to do is we're going to close with a song to give God our hearts, to give him our wills, our minds, our intellects, and to pray. And if you want to physically show God, I don't care. If you want to sit with your hands open and saying, here's my heart, Lord, do that. If you want to kneel and say, Lord, I'm surrendering for the millionth time, praise be Jesus Christ. Whatever you're comfortable with, I would encourage you to do. Because, my friends, the whole thing is, is that you're going to receive his heart back in the Eucharist. He's going to give you a new heart. And he's given you a family so you can know that who you truly are by being a beloved son or a daughter of the Father. And he wants you free. So we'll take a moment just to listen to Marie sing. If you want to join in, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. We want you to make a decision today, though. But if you're not ready, I get it. But if you're ready, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you want freedom, maybe you're called to kneel right now. Maybe you're called to sit. Maybe you're just going to put your hand over your heart and say, Lord, help me be like Mary and surrender. So we enter into prayer right now to surrender, to give the Lord our heart, to live in faith in the light of Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection.
Is my 